1: That time of the week again, the rugby league rant fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your out guard, and get ready for an hour of nothing for NRL tour. And via the mobile phone again, uh, Boxhead, welcome back. Hello, mate. This is. Uh, oh, you know, just got home from work, nice and dirty. Been in, uh, in a basement that's about, I don't know, probably a metre tall, so I was nice and squashed in like a hobbit today. Uh, love and
2: loss.
1: Yeah, great fun with uh, twenty-two thousand volts uh, under my backside, nice and hot and vibrating. It's not the safest place in the world, but.
2: A little, so, bit, little bit more vaults than usual up your backside,
1: but anyway. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, we kick things off the same way we always do. Our fast five, highlight, low-light, best, worst. Any questions come out of the round? What was your highlight, mate?
2: Uh, I liked the uh, the Canberra-Cronulla game. That mm. was pretty good. I'm a thriller. They got that call wrong at the end, but it probably created more theatre. The, right the right side got the result in the end. So uh, Yeah, that was probably the game I enjoyed the most this weekend and probably my highlight there. There are a lot of good games this weekend, a lot of um, entertaining games, but not many close ones. So that was that was probably the highlight for me, the fact that it was close.
1: Yeah, I thought that was the best game of the round, but my highlight was uh, the milestone men. Uh, Gavin Cooper, he had his 200th last night and got a good win, played well. Paul Gallon finally won a milestone game. He won his 250th, but most of all, uh, Cameron Smith, his 300th game. Ridiculous winning record over 300 games. He's got almost a 70% Win record. He's now equal with Darren Lockyer as far as games for Queensland. I think he's got forty-six Test matches or something ridiculous like that. So um, he's an absolute champion. And obviously, being a Melbourne fan, you, you talk about your team giving you happiness over a long period of time. The big three have made my life uh, very, very good in football terms, but none more so than Cameron Smith. So um, I hope he does play the next three years healthy and break, um, you know, the all-time record. And I think he's got a, a very good chance of playing after that. I know. People are talking about the ruck speed and everything going on, but one thing that doesn't dissipate is uh, football intelligence, and he's got that in spades. Yep, hear,
2: hear. Uh, here, here. I, I, I thought I'd leave the Cameron Smith thing to you. Um, you're the Melbourne man, but yeah, uh, they, they just do it. They do it so well. They do the milestone game so well. And, uh, the challenge for Melbourne now is going to be backing that performance up week in, week out for the remainder of the season.
1: Yeah, well, we go to Napier this week in New Zealand. Uh, you know, we, we, we've set this up. Uh, we've got custom jerseys for this week. I mixed it up a few weeks ago with the Kiwi game. I thought that was all we're doing it for. So uh, we have a pretty good chance to push the Dragons four points away from the eight, or two points technically, because the Dogs and the Sharks are both on 22 are going to play each other. But um, this is pretty important for Melbourne this week. So hopefully they back it up. But what was your low light? Uh, the Titans, again, they backed it up. They're going back to back. Yeah. And I thought I couldn't get any lower. Uh,
2: getting smashed by the DCE and Manly, after all the drum we've had there, we went up and got pumped by Cousin Gary in Newcastle. So, tops. Yeah, oh, it just gets better and better for the Titans. So I'll put a pen through them, um, if I hadn't already. But uh, those back-to-back performances have, have uh, given me no doubt that they've clocked out for the season. So disappointing, but you know, I'm just used to it as a Titans fan. You just, yeah, what do you do? haven't played in the finals since I got with my fiance, so maybe
1: I should break up with her and we might get
2: back into the finals.
1: (laughs) Has Parramatta been out of the finals since then as well? Have you both been on that that slide run? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, Yeah. I'm pretty sure both of you haven't been in the finals since you got together.
2: 2009, I think Parramatta were in the finals last. That was when they made the grand final. I think they've been back since. Mm-hmm. Um, so her spell's been a little bit longer than mine, but mine coincided. Actually, the day we got together, we got knocked out by the Roosters in the grand final qualifier, so the writing should have been on the wall then. <laughs> you
1: know. oh, classic. Absolutely classic.
2: She doesn't listen, so it's all good.
1: Fair enough. Well, my low light, uh, unfortunately, was just the quality of a few of the games. I, I know Penrith had depleted. I, I, I thought Melbourne were fun to watch, but still like a 50-point margin. There's not much fun. I thought the Dogs' heels. The first half was poor. Then the Dogs got them. Uh, you know, obviously the Titans' game was virtually like they weren't there. Um, you know, the Warriors. I, I was happy to watch the Roosters again, but they were pretty disappointing. And then the Tigers as, yeah. as well. There was just a lot of games that were were pretty one sided. It was it was nice to see a few sides click into gear and put on a bit of a clinic. But um, yeah, yeah, there
2: were six out of eight six out of eight games that I you could you could lead me out of really. Um, and then you probably look at the Dragon South game, which blew out late but was pretty close for probably 65 minutes. And then obviously the Golden Point game, which was, that was the reason why it was in my highlight, just because that was the only real game that went down to the
1: wire. Yeah, I thought that was a quality game of football. My other low light, I've got to touch on it, is the Parramatta situation again with Chris Sandow. And I bit two ways about this. Everyone uh, is giving it to Sandow, and fair enough, you know, he didn't have the best game on Friday, and he's had his dramas while he's there. But from a player's point of view, I'd be absolutely filthy. Uh, regardless, like you know, at the end of the day, again, what what else do you expect? But if they owed me third parties up to the sum of almost $200,000 and they're trying to push me out the door now for nothing, oh, I'm not happy. I'm sitting there for the rest of the year. Oh, so Sandoz owed third
2: parties,
1: is he? Yeah, he's one of a few that uh, they haven't been talking about. So there's much more to this. I, I agree with them. I wouldn't want him there at this point in time, but I don't know how they can argue that they they're not want to pay him. He's got, like, I think... Three more months' worth, because NRL players get paid a month. It's about $100,000, but he's apparently about 200 out of pocket from third parties that were agreed upon. But as usual, they weren't on the books. Uh, whether that wasn't the case or not, uh, they've done that. They haven't paid them. He's not the only player. I wouldn't be going anywhere. I'd want full compensation as well if I missed out on third parties.
2: Yeah, well, in that case, I, uh, I agree, yeah.
1: And, yeah, again, I've heard... This just shows the governance, though, doesn't it? When they talk about the fact there's no paper trail... Um, you know, it was a handshake agreement. Scott Seawood's gone. They're all claiming it doesn't matter anymore, but this just shows what a basket case, as usual, uh, this joint seems to be. Uh, so yeah. many issues, but uh, what about your best? The Who's your best?
2: The Parramatta Circus rolls on. Ah,
1: oh, just never stops. What about your best, mate?
2: Uh, Benny Hunt. I thought um, Benny Hunt was outstanding, along with the Broncos, and then obviously uh, the game that I was probably most looking forward to this weekend was the Roosters Warriors game, but the Roosters just blew them off the park and they were dominant, so they sent an ominous warning to the, uh, the potential top eight sides yeah. uh, for later in the year, and obviously the sides are going to play between now and then. But, well,
3: um,
2: yeah, they, they look good. Benny Hunt, last year I, I sort of I saw it, you know, like he, he was right up there in the Dalian medal, uh, but it was probably the fact that Brisbane had an up and down season last year that I didn't really buy into the, not buy into him, but uh, probably acknowledge his form, but uh, now he's he's got probably just a slightly better side, a better coach, and um, a more established—well, not more established, but more flamboyant—complementing uh, half next to him. Um, it's really unlocked the key to, to his game, and just some of the passes he's thrown in the last few weeks have really um, impressed me. So Benny Hunt here, here.
1: yeah. Well, that mom course. is mom is the Roosters. Um, I, I, they obviously could have posted more points. Trent Robinson touched on that point, but. It's just everything about the game. Um, they did everything they wanted to do to the Roosters. They were dominant through the middle. Uh, they made a mission, especially Jared, of getting to Ben Madaleno, not letting him offload, I think, only once in the whole game. And then James Maloney was just ruthless with his pressure on Sean Johnson, making sure he had absolutely no time. The early shifts coming out of yardage were absolutely outstanding. It may have been a one-sided game, but I was excited um, Roger Tulvastashek brings it back, gets a quick play of the ball. Next thing you know, him and Pierce, like I said, I lo- love the halves linking a million times. I've said this, and they do it better than anyone. But the double shift straight to either Jennings or Ferguson, their sets were the starting off so good. and I was very impressed. And like you said, they fired a warning shot. They've probably got the best roster on paper. And I think the big thing they've got going for them is I think they've got the best bench. Uh, Tokiaho, Napa, Evans, Moa. Orbison starting at the moment, you know, and they've had to move Guerra to lock just to accommodate that. Corden have got rested on the weekend. If they get it right, they're, they're going to be there with Brisbane and North Queensland. And At the moment, realistically, they're the only three, I think, that are in with a shot, which is pretty sad to say. But at the moment, I can't see anyone winning the, the comp bar those three. Yeah.
2: What
1: who are your you three? Roosters, Broncos, Cowboys. Yeah, those three. And like I said last week, I did the ladder predictor. And it's already looking ominous in in that direction right now, which was the dragons would fall out, which has happened, and the sharks would stay in. If Melbourne were to win this week, the sharks will still be within touch by two points because the Broncos and the Sharks are both on twenty two. Um, you know, so one of them is going to stay within two of the of the dragons, but everyone else is basically two wins away now. I, I don't see anyone really crawling back. Uh, they're finding their way in. The Dragons are realistically the last team that has any chance of sneaking in.
2: Yeah, I've got I've got some notes there because I ruled some sides out last week. I'm going to go into them in our questions, but um, my my low, oh, sorry, my worst for the week was Chrissy Sandow and the Titans.
1: Yeah. Well uh,
2: Chrissy Sandow. Just, you know, regardless of what's going on off the field, his on-the-field performance on the weekend was terrible and the Titans backed it up. That's
1: Two weeks in a row, they've been in my worst, which was, yeah, it's not good. Yeah, well, I had a, a trio. I had the Titans just looked effortless. Uh The Tigers, I thought, you know, they had that little streak there, but I don't read much into that. Brisbane basically got 26-0, took some players off, rested things, and then they shut it down when they needed to. They were never under any kind of serious threat. And the other one was the pennies. I know they're short on players, but it almost seemed on Friday, no offence to them, that they almost resigned to the fact that Melbourne were going to do that to them in that environment. Well, they
2: jumped. Melbourne just jumped them, didn't
1: they? Really? Yeah. It, it, but, but it almost seemed like they were there to accept it. Uh, Will Smith at fullback I don't think was a good idea. He has He's played a little bit there in the 20s, but in first grade against Cooper Cronk and Cameron Smith, two of the more astute kicking games, that's probably the last thing you need. But uh, we obviously know they're short of options right now because Kieran Moss is even yeah, not that, available. He, he probably would have been the next one up after Dallin, but even who, he's injured, Kieran Moss. Who's that? Kieran Moss. Yeah,
2: well, the other option is the boy we've got back in twenties, 20s, um, Brent Naden, who's been going really well. But um, I think at the moment, like because we're going so well in the 20s, that Ivan's doing his best just to keep us intact and keep the fluency we've got um, and not try and bring too many kids in into a situation like that, like the other night. You know, Will Smith's played plenty of first grade and he's got plenty of experience. You know, having or putting like a player like Brent... Through that in his NRL debut probably wouldn't be fair. So um, I, I don't think it's not that we don't have players that are up to it in 20s. I just think it's... Um, Ivan's been considerate and uh, thinking about the long-term development of these boys, so...
1: And honestly, let's look at it this way. Um, if they, if you guys were struggling or in the lower half the eight and probably not a chance of winning the 20s, given the first-grade circumstance right now, would probably be the time that they'd start blooding players. Because honestly, I, I think Penrith are done after that one.
2: Well, I've got... Um, I've, I'm them and the Raiders are on the same amount of points and they play each other this weekend I think whoever loses this game is gone because they're going to have to win realistically 5 of 6 um, to get into the 8 and it just there's only one side that's won that many in a row this year and it was the Cowboys so I really you know the history of the competition tells you it's hard to get on a, on a, on a long streak and there probably will be a side that does get on a roll, there, there always is but um, it's sort of last chance saloon in, in my opinion for the for the Raiders and the, and the Panthers, but yeah, you're probably right. I think
1: they got a harder draw the, than the Canberra.
2: The New South Wales Cup are taking players off us. Yeah. Um, so, but that's the next, you know, development step in terms of the way that the club's set up now and to feel good. But well, let's let's put it this um, way: if that that 20s twenties for Penrith, like where I am, I hear a lot of other clubs at that, sort of NRL NYC. Like at Penrith, it's very different. We've got it set up in that. It's um, NRL, New South Wales Cup, then 20s. Um, even in terms of training venues and training the use of the facility. Well, we come third. Um, and, you know, Garth, if Garth wants players, Garth takes players, basically. So you know, I think even our game days, our home game days, whenever all three sides are at home, we play first. So New South Wales Cup, are before full first grade, which I think is the right way to do it. Um, and I think you'll find that Long term, that's the way that we'll, we'll go back to that system as, as, a, as a whole game. Yeah, well, I, I agree with that. At the moment, there's, there's a few clubs doing it, but
1: not everyone. I agree with that because I'm calling the New South Wales Cup, and I turn up to these grounds like I'm going to Campbelltown Stadium this week. Tigers Panthers. Uh, if you want to listen to that one, you can tune in at radiohub.com.au. But the sad thing is, you go to a ground like not that. Right. Oh mate, you not go to, right. you go to a ground like that, and there's lucky to be 30 people, and there's usually close to 20 NRL players at the ground. Uh, yeah. You know, they, these teams are, are more like even some of the lower sides have still got at least six or seven each side. There's almost 14 blokes and they got to run around in front of about 20 people in an empty ground. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty sad circumstances. I, I don't know why we went away from the Premier League kind of flag form out. You can't scrap the 20s. I'll fight anyone on that when they always mention it because the pull that has for us to steal kids is brilliant. That's how we got Harrell, that's how we got Sheck, and especially for the Warriors over there, their 20 side is regarded as highly as their first grade side. Um, it, it's yeah. a great recruiting tool. So you can't scrap the competition. There's no way you could possibly do that. But the New South Wales Cup or Premier League, whatever you want to call it, needs to be brought back more into the forefront. Um, there's no doubt about that.
2: Yep, agreed, my friend. Agreed. Well,
1: questions, what do you got?
2: I had a few questions, like Chris Sandow and a couple of other things that we've already covered. But Yeah. Um, I mean, last week, I, who have you ruled out of making the top eight?
1: Well, from the top of my head, Manly last night, that was them done, and I never ever gave them a chance because they had such a hard run. As far as I'm concerned, them, the Tigers, the Titans, the Knights, um, they're all gone. So who's that? That's four that I've got there. Uh, The Eels. On last week's show, I
2: think I ruled out, well, I know I ruled out the Knights, Titans,
1: and Tigers. I scrapped five Um, sides.
2: I'm I'm throwing two more on top of that this week. I think Manly... Just in the fact that now they're going to have to win six from six, from six. I don't think they can do it. Um, and then I'll throw the Eels in. Even though the Eels are two points further ahead of Manly, I just, they, they play the Cowboys up in North Queensland on Monday night. I think their run will come to an end there. Um, and even if they manage to win that game, I, I really can't see them um, being able to string together, you know, six of the last seven or five of the last six. Um and then looking ahead, as I said earlier, I think the loser of the Panthers Raiders game, they're going to have to, they're going to have to need to win if they lose five of their last six to get in. So yeah, well, um, or six straight. I, I think I think it might even be like last year where you struggle to get in with twenty eight. You might need thirty. I think, and especially I said to the size like the Panthers and the Raiders and these sides just outside the eight have got a negative negative point against.
1: Yeah, well, you want
2: need three to get in.
1: I said this to a bloke today who's a Dragons fan. And he's adamant they're going to get in. And I said, now this weekend they're within touch because if Melbourne beats them, Dogs and Sharks play. They're both on twenty-two, so there's going to be one team still within reach. Uh, but looking at their run home, I think they've got the Broncos, the Warriors. They had a couple of games like that. I said, I don't think three is going to be enough. I think you're probably going to need to win four realistically. And you look at the yeah. you look at the top end, the top three. They're they're booked in. Like the the Broncos are on thirty-two. They're two clear of the Cowboys, and then the Cowboys are still four clear of third. Well, and then the Dragons, they...
2: the Dragons have won eight, so they're going to have to win four
1: at least, just,
2: to, just to even be in the conversation.
1: Yeah,
2: or well, probably five of seven.
1: And then you look at everyone that's on twenty-two. That's more what I was explaining to him. They need, they need to win three. It doesn't seem like a big difference, but three three from seven a lot better than having to win four. It's pretty hard. Well, it's less than, it's less than 50%. And then, yeah, and then especially when you've had if a you're run.
2: Also, you're also relying on them only winning three from seven. That They could all invariably win four from seven. Yeah, well, I said that. Need, you're going to need 30 to get it.
1: Yeah, well, I today. If Melbourne beat them this weekend, Melbourne's got the Tigers on the way home. They've got Newcastle. So there's a couple of I think we got the Titans as well. Um, yeah. I said to him, the draw... Melbourne had their hard run during Origin at the start of the year. We played a couple of teams early, twice, like the Roosters and whatnot. So we, we get a better run home, and it, it's kind of coincided that we probably will hopefully jag four or five wins. So, um, you know, you've got them, and then the top three are far clear. Like, the Roosters, the Rabbitohs are two within them, but they're still two wins clear of anyone else from in fifth place. Yeah. So there's a well, couple... Got, of,
2: the Dragons have got a Storm away... Uh, the Dragons uh, sorry, the Knights at home which is, you know, you'd, you'd say that that's a game that they should win. Yeah,
1: well, the Knights they
2: they've then got the Warriors away, no, which is going to be very, very, very difficult. They've then got the Broncos away yeah, which is going to be difficult. So we've only given them one. They've then got the Panthers at home and depending on what happens with the Panthers that could be you know the, the make or break, a make or break game. So let's say we give them two of those games. Twenty six.
1: Oh, sorry, twenty four. Um, and they,
2: they, then, they then finish with the Titans up on the Gold Coast, and they, the Titans will be nuisance value in the last few rounds. It's easy to get motivated for the last few, and then they've got the uh, the Tigers at home. So yeah. realistically, they should win four. They're probably going to have to win five. So I mean, the important games for them are obviously the four that they they probably should win based on their ladder position, and then you know, the Broncos, Warriors, and Melbourne
1: game. They're probably going to have to win one of them to get in. Yeah. I said that to him. Basically, this weekend, to me, he's the make-or-break one. I think if Melbourne burst their bubble, and then in the next four, they've got to go Warriors and Broncos as well, uh, I think that's enough to pretty much finish them for the year. And it's also Yeah, I I, I, I look at them and sort
2: of go, they're... They're definitely in the conversation. Well, uh, although, if you had, if I had to bet, yes or no, I'd be betting no.
1: I'd be betting um, no. Their, their attack is just absolutely skewed. That's,
2: that's only because realistically, I'm looking at the eight, going, "Well, I don't see anyone falling out."
1: No, neither do I. I think the that's sharks. More,
2: I think I think the Warriors are probably the side for me that, if anyone's going to fall out, they're going to be the side because traditionally they do. Um, but for me, it, it, it seems to me that. You know, you've got Broncos, Cowboys, Roosters, Rabbit, Storm, Dogs. You can lock all them in for me. Um, and then you're looking at Warriors, Sharks, Dragons. And then the winner of the Panthers-Raiders game, for me, those four teams will fight out two spots.
1: Yeah, they get to hold on. So. Yeah, anything else question-wise?
2: No, that's that's about it. It was pretty quite weak news-wise in terms of rugby league. Obviously, the Sean Kenny Dow situation, yeah. um, it's hard to comment on it when...
1: We don't know nothing. He's proved uh, not guilty. We don't know
2: anything about it. I think the Roosters did the right thing standing him down. And Yeah,
1: well, until...
2: Started, but I don't think, I don't, a lot of people are saying, oh, yeah, look, they, they stood him down. And that means... I think it was more... I, Sean Kennedy Dow was no chance of playing.
1: No, nah, and under these circumstances, everyone's going to whinge and moan and there's scrutiny and he's probably not in the mental state. So the right thing by the club and by everybody uh, was to, you know, just... Put him on a bit a bit of leave at the moment. They'll give him the mental support he needs. He's already they've already said he's going to plead not guilty, and he goes to court on Thursday. So until we know something, no one's got any right to comment until there's a result. And I think Jenny's goes to no, court so this week.
2: Anyone that sort of we'll get a few tweets obviously or Facebook messages saying well, why didn't you touch on it? But well, for me, i you know in my position, I'm going to steer right clear of it. I uh,
1: think I'm not commenting on Roosters, something that now. Um, the
2: Roosters handled it well, I thought. Um, and obviously, he's he's he should be presumed innocent. Yeah, until uh, proven guilty. Until proven guilty, he's, he's yeah he's, he's going to spend his day in court, and um, it's yeah it's a situation where we don't know all the facts. So but hmm. well, the better the uh, well, the less said, the better, I think, on that situation.
1: Yeah, you can't judge until there's results. So uh, no need to touch that one. Uh, the only one really, like you said, is the Sandown one. But I've already touched on that. That's 50-50. Yeah, sure. The players might be unhappy, and everything's kind of gone awry, and he's not playing. But if I was owed third parties, and both ends have not done their deal, I think they're better to meet in the middle. Pay him the rest of the year, which is about a hundred thousand. He's supposed to be about two hundred out of pocket, um, and both parties just go their separate ways. I, I think it's worthwhile if they've got that much. Yeah, but of I issue. think
2: by. By rights, Parramatta can tell him to stick it, can't they? Because no, no third-party deal
1: is guaranteed. No, no third-party is guaranteed, but he's not the only one they've done this to. I uh, can't name names, but I've got more more, uh, more information on a couple others that are still there in the loop. So uh, they're not happy about the situation. And yeah. in, in this circumstance, I think they're better to cut their losses. But Pay again, him.
2: like anyone, you'd hope that if you're here and for it, how much of his deal is made up in third parties? Because
1: well, you don't know.
2: You know, if you've gone there for the money and Parramatta have got a long history of not paying their third parties, then, you know, his contract might as well be written or his third party deals in his contract might as well be written on
1: a weekly bix And this is why people don't understand why people like the Bulldogs, the Roosters and the Broncos are so prominent in play negotiation because they pretty much you always know uh, they're going to be able to offer more because of third parties and they always deliver. Well,
2: and they've got they've got a record of having yeah you know, come through with it. They, they, they always deliver. They, yeah, that's right. They yeah, mate. I, I hate the fact that the game's set up that way. I, I, I just think everyone should get the same amount of pennies, you know, like like a poker tournament. And it's how well you play the cards you're dealt. Um, I, I don't like the fact that people can blow their pot and then buy in later, and you know, it's, it just doesn't seem fair. The whole idea of a salary cap is that we all get, every team gets the same amount of money. Yeah, half, of
1: them, can't that, spend, half of them can't spend. Half them can't spend the money
2: anyway. Not, yeah, but I think, I think the NRL should... Part of the, the finance that's given to the club should be every dollar of the salary cap.
1: Yeah, well, that's half the issue. I yeah, should just
2: say, look, we're going to give you... We're going to give you... We've set up 16 bank accounts. Here's your salary. You can pay your players out of that. And then that's probably an ideal world. But
1: Yeah, but yeah. half the issue is the NRL's running half of these clubs because they can't run themselves and their are Yeah, well, so.
2: well that, that, that should mean that... Yeah, I don't.
1: But they're already right. tipping enough money into some of these other clubs who can't run themselves. Like the Tigers, have got an issue yeah, at the moment. well,
2: they need to get they need to get tougher. They need to say, look, well, you're out. You can't. If you, in this day and age, we've got a billion dollar TV deal. If you can't run your club and your club can't be financial, then see you later. We're going to get tougher, I think, as a game.
1: Yeah, oh, that'd make plenty of people angry. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. All I know is that, like I said, there's a couple of but clubs. We can't
2: keep. We can't keep sacrificing the greater good of the game for clubs that mismanage
1: now plenty of them are run by monkeys that's just reality of the world unfortunately there's well, going to if, if
2: you're in the big wide world mate, and you don't have the NRL, and it's, it's me and you down at you know the local shopping center there's no one there to prop us up and buy us out you now i don't understand why why it's any different in the sporting world but you know we'll move on
1: yeah, well, there's more than a handful under pressure at the moment, so definitely not really. And, and, and
2: you know, and, and I guess the club on that, we Penrith were a basket case. You know, like when I first started at the club, um, obviously it was before Gus got there, and you know there were some hairy times there where you know there was talk might not even be around the next year, and you know there was just a lot of a lot of uncertainty. But it just shows you that with the right management and the right um, support and the right people supporting the club but you can you can build it and make
1: it financial. Well, I think independent owners are the way to go, but so far that track record hasn't proved too good. Tinkler obviously dropped the ball, then you've got the opposite model, which is South, which is run successfully. And the third one I think we see now is Melbourne, which has a, a conglomerate of businessmen behind it, and obviously a link now to Manchester City through a couple of those owners, so they're quite financially viable. Um, yeah. I, th- I think independent ownership's the right deal, but then you look at someone like Kukash, who I was happy to come here if he was a billionaire and then you hear the stories about players not getting paid, the, the, the ground fees not being paid, um, the, the jersey sponsors. So if there's, this bloke's a billionaire and he can't even keep up his finances and they're getting towed by 70 to 6, um, he's obviously doing a pretty poor job. So that, that's definitely not someone you want involved in your club even if he does have billions of dollars. So uh, it's a yeah. fine balance, but you'd like to think they can solve some of these issues and get the NRL out of these clubs because realistically this day and age, like you said, we shouldn't be they shouldn't have to step into five or six places and have a say in what's going on. They they should be able to run themselves self-sufficiently. And if they're going to run at a loss, it shouldn't be a major detriment to the game that they have to come in and float them so much. Yeah. All right. Well, moving out of that, we'll jump into the views of the games from the weekend. Friday night, Parramatta, as we mentioned, uh, pretty poor against the Bulldogs. It was a pretty average game the first half. Very, very flat, and I think it's simple. It we said a million times the Bulldogs just can't seem to stick to one identity. The first half they tried all the block, block crap, um, all the rubbish, and then the second half they got to do what they do best—they bulldoze the middle. Pritchard grabbed a couple. Um, Jackson was very good. Brett Morris, etc. But I, I don't understand how every week they seem to keep going away from what's a very obvious strength. I, I, I'm just confused.
2: you. I'm with you. Um, yeah, they were good. Uh, but I thought it was a pretty scrappy game for 60 minutes. Um, and I would have, I'd have—I'd be interested to see how they would have went against the stronger side. That's probably the, the thing that I took out of it. Um, Parramatta, you know, look rudderless in the fact... Well, as soon as... Especially once Corey Norman went off. Um, Sandow wasn't really offering a lot. Um, and it was Pete's first game back for a while, so... Yeah. Look, I... I tend to agree with what Gus said in the commentary, and that the dogs look a lot more stable without the extra half on the bench. Look, I think maybe they well, they can't really play Mbai in the centres because they've got Josh Morris and Tim Laffey there now. But
1: no, nah, you've got to have two halves. To, that's it. It's either going to be Hodgkinson or Mbai. They've
2: got to pick two and stick with them. And I tend to agree with what you said last week in the fact that if if Hodgkinson signed at Newcastle, get rid of him unless unless he's actually playing much better football than. Um, much better
1: football than uh, than buy. Then you know I tend to stick with him buy. Well, he's my future. But I want him I, 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 I to the best game of the
2: season.
1: Yeah, it was. So he's either got two choices here, and the other thing on in and I'm. I know they're talking renegotiations, but I'm a bit nervous if they're trying to use this to, as a way to kind of turn and burn him for the rest of the year. I think that might be a way to kind of steer him away, even if they have guaranteed him the ship. Uh, yeah. I'd be getting negotiations done with him by if I'm going to be putting him on ice for the rest of the season around with Hodgkinson. Because if uh, this yeah. was any way to upset the camp, I don't, I don't take him as that kind of bloke. Uh, by no means. He seems like an absolutely outstanding human being. But um, if there's any way to kind of push someone a little bit into thinking about going somewhere else, this is probably the way to do it. Uh,
2: yeah, but- yeah, it just seems strange. I don't know, like they they were so keen to not play him really before prior to the origin period and then now they he comes out of the Origin three where they got lapped obviously, but I thought he played pretty well in, in the he, origin three. He definitely wasn't our worst player on the nah, He's brilliant defensively, but I'll think, give him
1: that. He holds his own very well in defence.
2: Yeah, I I just find it strange. There's mixed messages from Des. Maybe he's just trying to keep everyone happy and then make a decision a few weeks out from the finals. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what side he selects this week.
1: Yeah, well, the Reynolds trip, uh, I had a look. I I think he stuck a leg out, but I don't read into that as much as the other three, but we'll go back to what I said previously. If it was three charges and then you get loading, why did Greg Bird get such a massive loading after three spears and the last time he tripped, which is his third offense, within 12 months, did he not get loading? I I don't understand that, but um, it, it looked a bit suspect, but I didn't read too much into this one. As far as Parramatta goes, Sandow... Situation. He's now probably going to get suspended for two to three weeks as well. I, I doubt Parramatta are going to go fight that charge at the judiciary, especially with the situation they're in. So I think they're better off just cutting the fat, like I said, end the Mexican standoff, pay him the rest of this year because you're missing third parties, be done with it. Bo Henry apparently has been playing pretty well in Cup. Um, I don't know if they can get dispensation from the NRL, but I'd be probably trying to drag him up with Luke Kelly. Or Ryan Madison, who's just fallen off the face of the earth. I saw his name in Ron Massey. Um, he was the Australian schoolboy's 20s half last year, so... Um, I don't really know what's going on there, but if, if it's Luke Kelly's going to be one half. Joseph Paul, I suppose, is an option. But if Bo Henry's playing well, uh, I'd be seeking dispensation from the NRL. But it doesn't get any easier. They've got to play the Cowboys away this week. And the Dogs, big clash with the Sharks, who I've been pretty impressed with, to be honest. And that's back to Belmore. So that should be a good game. But Friday night again, this one doesn't need too much talk. The Melbourne Storm, 52-10 to 10, over the Penrith Panthers. It was an absolute bloodbath. It was the Melbourne of old... Um, it was clinical. Smith and Cronk led from the front, in particular. I thought Cooper Cronk had an outstanding game, but um, you know, no, Cro- he's, yeah,
2: he's a, hard to say he's underrated, but in my opinion,
1: he is. He, he is underrated. Yeah, gets nowhere. I even even the Origin I, Origin three, every time he comes yeah. back twice, they've won twice. No one's paying ra- the I've credit. Been, I know. I've been I've been ranting and raving about it. was
2: the best player in Origin one this year by a mile, and in a game which ultimately won them the series because. The importance in that game, when you look back on it, was massive. But um, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm real big on him. Real big on Cooper Cronk, and you know he, he also helps out Smith. Um, he also helps out Slater. He's a link between them.
1: Um, it helps out everyone. He's probably got one of the best kicking games yeah, in the comp.
2: Yeah, he deserves,
1: deserves a big rap. Um, some of the kicks you see over the years, even I think it was last week, I forgot to touch on it. That banana kick, that AFL kick, that low one that he gave to Corey Betty, it was an absolute cracker. Um, yeah. But yeah, this game, I thought he was, he was very clinical. Uh, Proctor and him, they sacrificed a little bit at the start of the year to let that left side of Blake Green and, and Tohu Harris obviously build up, but they were back to their best the other night. Proctor got a double. I Honestly, I've got to chuck this out there, and I'm glad he did it finally, putting Kenny Bromwich in the centers, but technically it was Harris playing out there. He's more than mobile and smart enough to play there. The edge has been a bit massive problem for us. I'm really, really happy for the short-term solution to be him and Bromwich playing on that edge together. um, It looked a lot more stable because, to to be honest, that's one spot we lack big time. We lack in the back line. So, um, yeah, I I, I don't mind that. Everyone was good for Melbourne. I I don't really know what you can say. Uh, They picked on Will Smith, like I said, the poor bugger at the back. But what are you going to do if you're the Panthers? Uh, You know, Moss would have got a debut. He's not available. Dallin's not available. Moylan's not there. The the halves weren't that great. Segiaro back from injury again. Um, it, it's just been a rough year. And like I said, I, I think the Raiders might end their season this week. And even if they do grab a win, I don't think they're going to be able to do enough end or make an impact even if they do grab eighth spot. I think they're going to be a one and done if they do miraculously make it. Well, the I think
2: they're the, they're the last two yeah. at that end of the table. And it's all in now. The
1: Chiefs
2: are going to go all in uh, to the middle of the table. But uh, Melbourne are good, uh, but Penner down on troops as usual. Same, same story for Penner.
1: Yeah, Smith's 300, though. Like I said before, I've had plenty plenty of good times, obviously, over the last decade with those three players in particular, but uh, he's an absolute ornament. And the, the fact he's only missed nine games through injury and played 300 and all the rep games is absolutely ridiculous. He's been an absolute weapon uh, for the Melbourne Storm. And a, a top bloke, so uh, Penrith, like we said, they get the Raiders this week pretty much uh, all, all in in this game. And Melbourne, they've taken their game to Napier, New Zealand. They're going to play the Dragons, so a bit of a chance there to push themselves further inside the eight and have a, a two-win gap, as far as that's concerned. So a very good opportunity. But Saturday kicked off with the Raiders, speaking of them, against the Sharks. 21-20, they lost in Golden Point. Another heartbreaking win. Uh, close, but no cigar, but down 10-0 early. I'm uh, impressed with the Sharkies, but they fought back. I look at Canberra, and it's become a bit of a common theme. The middle was very good. Hodgson was absolutely outstanding, but their edge defense is awful. Uh, Edrick Lee... Twice, just come in for absolutely no reason. The first one on Luke Lewis, who's smart enough and played a bit in the halves, just a simple pass out to Valentine Holmes, he crashed over in the corner. And then a second time he got caught out. And then on the other side of the field, I know Leigh Lewis only brand new there, but him and Rapana had a really bad time communicating together. Uh, They they had had the same issues. One jammed, one stayed back. Another time, one slid, one shot out. They'll make an opposite decision. So they need to fix their edges real quick because their middle's really good their spine was still like Austin was still pretty good I think they held their own in the middle Hodgson in particular like I said outstanding but the edges really let them down defensively
2: yeah whatever they're doing they've got to get on the same page simple as that I mean as you said the decisions weren't consistent um, on their edges so that's something they've got to work on but um, I thought their middle line speed could have been a little bit better as well but uh, I thought the Sharks rolled through pretty easily and they were making metres and getting on a roll on uh, fairly, or too easily for um, the Raiders, that's for sure. But, yeah, I don't know what to make of the Raiders. It's going to be one of those seasons where they're probably going to miss the eight by one or two wins, and they're throwing, throwing away their fair share of games this year.
1: Yeah, well, that's, that's kind of the thing about scoring the most points but also conceding a fair few. They'd be one of the worst defensive sides. And, uh... and that's
2: why. I know I know you and a lot of, like, even gossip sort of bought into them early, but I just... You've got to be able to maintain it for a long period of time, and they're like they're a streaky side, Canberra. They they tend to give you give you a real high, and, and then they just the next week they give you a real low. So until they learn how to play consistently,
1: well, I tell you, my um, big issue—they've been awful at home for some reason. And again, like this many weeks in, I thought the edges would have slowly kind of fixed themselves, but they haven't. Um, obviously, like I said, bringing lure and change that that other side of the field—that that that they
2: don't fix themselves. But There's got to
1: be accountability there. And after 20 weeks, um, I thought they would have been working. Good
2: enough, good enough coaching to identify
1: and fix it. Yeah, well, either that or they're not buying in. Edric I know Edric Lee's just been an Origin camp, but whatever he did, Jared Croker looked at him twice, especially the first one. They had three on three. There was no need to go anywhere. He jammed in two players and almost pushed Croker out of the way. Uh, Valentine yeah. Holmes never scored an easier try in his life, so I think they kind of let down their middles uh, defensively on the edges, but the Sharks. I'm not. I'm definitely not saying they're, they're a premiership threat, but, mate, they've got, they got trouble to disturb. I was impressed, to be honest. I thought the middle was brilliant. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. When they've got Lewis and Graham, their halves may not be the most creative, but they have extra threats on both the edges for those two. They both chip in sufficiently. Wade Graham, uh, there's nothing that bloke can't do. He, he can pass, he can kick, he can chip in. Lewis showed that with his homes. Uh, I thought the attack looked a little bit better. You know they're still probably only going to score 18 to 20 points at best, but... They're just a tough, gritty side. Robson leads them around pretty well. Uh, you know, they got enough from Holmes. they got enough from Bird. But particularly those two edge players. Graham and Lewis really stabilise those two edges for them. Yeah. And for
2: feeder yeah. was
1: outstanding. I, I, yeah, I, I don't know about can I, that. They'll make
2: the eight, I think. But, um, I think they're going to have to get into real... Well, once the weather heats up, the ground hardens up a little bit. We get fast tracks. Oh, I don't think they're going to... They're going to trouble too many teams just for the fact that they can't score many points. If they can drag teams into a dogfight, then they're a chance. But being able to do that consistently over four weeks against the best sides in the comp, I just don't, I don't see
1: it yet. Yeah, well, we're going to see the real test this week. They have to play the Bulldogs at Belmore, so that should be a great atmosphere in Canberra and Penrith. Like we said, last chance to loon. Uh, that's away here at Penrith. So, you know, all in all in for these two sides. The next game, not too much to read into this one again, unfortunately. Newcastle. Can we not talk about it? We will, but I'm just, just it's going to be very quick. Put me, on, put me on mute. Talk to yourself for three minutes. All right. 30-2 against the Titans. It was one-way traffic. It was 18-2 at half time. Uh Mullen controlled things with the kicking game. I thought Corbin Sims, Cade Snowden absolutely killed you through the middle. Tarek Sims chipped in as well. Um, one of the other highlights probably for me was Denny Levi. I think he should have been in there earlier, but he's developing nicely off the bench. He, he, he's, a, he's a decent threat through the middle there, but yeah, I don't know what to say about the Titans. Like I said last week, I thought the effort bubble basically burst. Newcastle didn't concede any points, but to be honest, not much was thrown at them. Uh, probably the big talking point bar the scoreline, because the game was poor, was Dane Gagai's heart condition and uh, having to leave mm. early. So that was a bit of a I'll concern. tell you what. I'll tell you one thing I'll say about this game,
2: and the only bloody thing I'll say about this game, is that the 30-2 scoreline wasn't a reflection of
1: the game. It no. should have been more. 100%. It should have been more. Terrible. It just sums up the year, though, for both of them. The Titans were awful. Newcastle need a shake-up. There was no-one there. There was poor weather. It was just a summary of both their seasons and the state of uh, where they're at at this point, Tom. Yeah. But uh, it doesn't Still get right. any easier, unfortunately, for the Titans in, in sewing that one up. They're, they've got the Broncos this week, so... Oh, they'll probably come out and beat the Broncos, not on the Titans. They'll probably put an effort in, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I, regardless of their circumstance at the moment, I... I just uh, I don't think that nothing's going to change. They usually get up for these Queensland kind of derbies, but I think the Broncos might put a hurting on them. So, uh, yeah, not getting any better. Newcastle, big game for them. They play the Rabbitohs. Rabbitohs kind of been just ticking along. They haven't really had to stress out too much, but they're sitting on 24, and they're, you know, a couple of wins in buried in there. Two wins clear of four now, the eight. So, not a bad situation. I still don't know what to make of them. I'm still unimpressed. impressed, like I said, with Sutton. Stuart on the edges, that they lost that kind of aggressive... Roll through the middle, and the way they played last year, uh, you know Dylan Walker. A couple of these guys are finding their, their way back to some form, but I, I don't know about them this year. I, I just don't feel the threat that I feel last year. That they may surprise me, but um, I, I don't quite see enough just at the moment from South Sydney to think they're they're a premiership threat. No, um, oh, I don't mean, think I don't
2: think they can win it. Yeah. Simple as that. I just think history tells you that no one goes back to back. So. Yeah, I but, thought the Roosters last year were probably the best chance we've seen yeah. in a long time to go back to that. Probably apart from those Melbourne and Manly sides, um, mm. but they had each other to compete with as well. But yeah, uh, I think I think you might, yeah, you might see the Roosters win two out of the next three, or out of the, out of the last three. Yeah, unless it's one of those Queensland sides.
1: Well, this is basically I'm not going to write them off next year. They'll be in the eight, no doubt about that. But they lose Maloney and they lose Sheck, so. Things are going to change next well, year. Well,
2: who, who knows whether they will be in the eight? You know, like, look at Penrith. Like, couple of, you take a couple of key players out, and you know it's a difference between you being the top four and being well, out.
1: I think so. Pierce, Friend, that back line um, and their bench is still all going to be there. So I think if they can find yeah. a decent foil for Pierce and the fullback spot, they're looking like they're going to put Ferguson. He could be just as dead at the back or the Trell Mitchell. I think they're still easily in the eight talent-wise compared to other sides. Uh, but that, yeah. that's
2: that's just well, you, a, you know they might they might yet uh, yet lose Penny Dow as well depending on what happens there. So um, and who who goes next to Pierce? Oh, I, I don't really know. Look at it.
1: Well, no, but, I, I, but, yes. I prefer Langi over Hastings, but at, so far Langi's opportunity. Over, of them,
2: it, both of them are untested and untried and unproven in our level.
1: So. Yeah, well, Langi's never got an opportunity. He's been played at the centres. a yeah, few but games, still
2: not proven in our level. So you're gambling on someone that's an unknown. So yeah, well, they got a pretty. Rather good... than Maloney, who you know he's played Origin. He's, oh, 100. Uh, percent But
1: they're coming into a pretty bloody good side if you're going to be starting off a young half with that forward pack and uh, those edge kind players. So it's, that's not a bad cir- circumstance if you're a young bloke coming into a first. Great team. Yeah. They're talking about Souths. Uh, they got their win over the Dragons. That's six losses in a row for them after six wins in a row. Uh, how things change quickly, and it's hard to find your way back. Twenty-four to eight. The first half, I thought it was pretty flat, both sides. In awkward conditions, it was a pretty slippery track. Um, there was lots of errors. Dylan Walker scored a brilliant individual try, and um, you know, obviously they jagged one through Justin Hunt to get into the grind and head into halftime fairly even. Dugan got one, kept him in the contest early in the second half, but it was that last twenty. Gi kind of took control of the game. Uh, Reynolds a short kicking game. He made some good choices and Kiri grabbed a try. Uh, it was kind of a sloppy win, but it was needed. The Dragons halves uh, are struggling a fair bit. I thought Dugan was probably their best, but yeah, it's just it's funny how things work. When you're on a roll, you just know how to win, and then when you get on one of these losses, it, it's pretty much the same deal on the other side. You, you find yourself trying to dig yourself out of the hole and, and trying so hard, and it just doesn't happen for you. and just polar opposites, <laughs> six in a row winning and now six in a row losing. Uh, it, it doesn't get any easier this week against Melbourne. No. No,
2: they were... Um, I, I, I tend to agree with you. They were a, a little bit clunky South Sydney, but um, the Dragons are just depleted, aren't they, really? Yeah. Um, with injuries. But that's a game that I sort of looked at and thought they could have won that game. Um, they defended they just, well. Just towards the end there, but... Yeah. They just couldn't come up with the right decisions at the right times. Like when they had their chances, they sort of couldn't maintain pressure or get a repeat set where South get down the other end and then they score. Um, I think they, they scored late, uh, the Dragons, to sort of get it. Well, not late, but um, you know, within the last 20 minutes to sort of get it within a six-point game. And then straight, up, straight on the back of it made an error and, and uh, conceded a try, which ended the game. So. Um, They're just going to get back to that disciplined style of footy they were playing and um, get back to focusing on their defence.
1: Yeah, well I think their defence wasn't too bad. They obviously conceded off a couple of kicks. Um, But again, I think I said earlier in the year, it's hard to be that defensive side. They were number one. I think now they're about three or four and not back out with many points. It's very, very hard to keep coming to the party and we saw that happen when they had about nine first graders out last week from their, Mm. their starting 17. But you can't be last in attack and rely on defence all year. Just you, you, even the better Melbourne sides were at least around the you know the seventh and sixth mark in attack when they were always one and two in defence. So you've got to have some kind of balance there. But um, South, I tipped him, and I said that to Gossett when we did the tips purely because it was Reynolds' third game back. I thought they'd show a little more continuity. I thought he had a better night. J.I. came to the floor, Walker showed showed a little bit. I still think they need more from their middle and their forwards. Are. Like you look at the pack this year, it's just nowhere, anywhere near as intimidating as what it was last year. Um, for that reason, that's why I just can't see them pushing any of those kind of bigger sides uh, at the back end of this year. Yep, yeah, tend to agree. Yeah, they get Newcastle at home this week, so an opportunity to further entrench themselves into the top four. Uh, the Dragons, as I said, they go to play the Storm over in Napier, so... Uh, same deal with them. They'll stay within touch of the two, uh, within two points of the eight, regardless of what happens. But this is an important game, especially confidence-wise. The Roosters over the Warriors, twenty-four nil. It was one-way traffic. New Zealand, just you know, another stutter. Of one of these games where you look at them and go, "Are they going to prove us wrong?" And that has painted yet another big question mark on top of themselves is whether you think they can be a top-four side or a premiership contender. They they held on probably for about twenty minutes defensively after losing a heap of ball in being under pressure, but that last 20 minutes of the half, the Roosters just absolutely tore the shreds off them.
2: Yep, they did. They, uh, they, there was probably two 20-minute periods where the Warriors got in the grind, um, but the difference was that when the Roosters had their chances to score, they took them, the Warriors fluffed them, and um, inevitably that's the difference in big games. Uh, the, the ability to uh, cash in on your chances or um, cash in when you when you when you get your chances and um, being good enough to defend the other team when they get theirs and the Roosters minimalised the chances the Warriors had um, and then they banked in I, I probably think the 24-0 probably flattered the Warriors a little bit I thought there were a few yeah. tries that the Roosters bombed and uh, it's a bit of a wake-up call for the Warriors I know a lot of people have fallen in love with them but this is historically what they do post-origin so um, hold on to your hearts if you're a Warriors fan
1: yeah, well, the Roosters, like I said earlier, they burned the middle. Um, they did a really, really good job uh, on shutting down Mattelino. I think he got one offload. Maloney just made it his personal mission to make sure it's Johnson. They
2: made, that a, they made that a point. You could tell that percent yeah, is the one
1: that were getting after In particular, again, uh, you know, Joe Brie Hargraves, he hasn't been in the Kiwi side. He was hunting after him. Napa, they were hunting together. They put massive kick pressure on Townsend, hit him clean and fair, uh, just let him know exactly where they were. But Johnson, Maloney, much the same. He made a mission of making sure that Johnson had absolutely no time. Uh, but those early shifts, like I said, coming out, Roger Tuovasashek start things off so well, but uh, those link passes between Maloney and Piers to feed Ferguson and, and Jennings early, particularly Ferguson, who had a field day, absolutely bathed uh, the young rookie, Solomon Carter, and had a major game. And the other one was they, uh, Jake Friend again. He doesn't get many wraps, but his vision, some of the passes he threw out a dummy half, he, he was brilliant on the day. Yeah. But their bench... Um, just to, to sum things up at the end. It's just ridiculous that Sam Moa, Tokyo, Evans, uh, these guys, Liu, and then there was no coordinator today. It's the best bench in the competition. No matter what way you reshuffle that forward pack and load up that side, that is the one thing that I look at and think if they can get themselves to the end of the season, that, that, that bench is pretty irresistible if they get things right. And I think that could be a real, real factor in them winning the comp if uh, they're going to be up there with the big boys.
2: Mm. Yeah, the other bench should also looked up. The Bulldogs got a pretty good bench at the moment as well. So
1: yeah, I think um, the Cowboys are, are, are getting there when they've got a full strength side. I think Hennett, they've they've milked good value out of him. Bolton, well,
0: good you
2: value. could say that. You could say that about um, Penrith as well. Like you say, they're full strength. Their bench is enormous. But um, obviously at the moment, the players that even be on their bench aren't even aren't even playing. But you know the Dogs have yeah, got a big bench. You know Cassiano, Clemar, Sean Lane's been going really well, and By. Um, yeah, usually Penrith would have like Brown, Peachy, McKendree and um, even Bryce Cartwright on the bench. But at the moment, I totally agree with you. Totally agree with you in the fact that the Roosters stand out in terms of the best bench in the game at the moment.
1: Oh, it's ridiculous. Most of those guys would start anyway. Tokiaho taking his opportunity. Moa, Napa, you could rotate them between starting and bench. It's it's an absolute ridiculous...
2: And you look through the years and that's uh, a big factor in winning a premiership. Well, you look at South this year, they've got, well, from the weekend, Tyrrell Lowe, Mill and Burgess. Like, it's just not as strong as what it was um, in years gone by. So, um, yeah, it's something worth noting, and especially the health of the bench coming into the, the bigger games at the end of the season.
1: Yeah, well, the Warriors, they go home. they got to play the Sea Eagles, who, uh, you know, they may be dead and buried basically now, uh, but a big opportunity for the Warriors to, to get themselves back on track. The Roosters, they play the Tigers, so that's a pretty op- big opportunity to get pretty brutal. Um, again this week, so it'll be interesting to see what the Tigers throw up, but traditionally, the last few times they've played, they've been absolutely licked um, by the Roosters the Broncos, speaking of the Tigers they towered them up 42-16 to 16. it was 26-0 at half time, it was game over then, Hunt early on I think pretty much signaled where the Tigers were at intent wise, he ran, got tackled, got up got tackled again, got up uh, passed, offloaded, they went all the way to the other end of the field, like when, when you see something like that very early in the game, it pretty much tells you all you need to know
2: Yep, no, they were. um, It was was interesting to hear Hunt say that uh, the coaches had told him to run more. I I love that about him. Um, And it was a real strength in his game on the weekend. But it's something that he's got to carry through now to the end of the year, especially uh, once the weather dries up. You know, it's going to be easier for the sides to defend. Um, It's a little bit slippery now, so you, you can sort of get away with that change of angle, that side to side sort of football. But later in the year, it's going to be all direct and all speed and. Um, you know, that's a good sign because if Hunt's playing like that, Milford, there's no doubt Milford will play straight and he's willing to run the ball, but they've got threats on both sides and then you've got Andrew McCulloch who's in good form and then Darius Boyd out the back of it um, with a a forward pack that's really held on their own. They're going to be dangerous and they're going to be hard to stop.
1: And I say it again, they've got room for improvement compared to the Cowboys and other sides, uh, particularly with Boyd. Like, Boyd's barely played some football there. He's still not quite involved. I think that was one of his better games on the weekend, but th- that whole spine combo is going to get better. Um, and as good as Hunter Milford were again, I think McCulloch uh, stood out for me uh, just every every week. I he doesn't get the reps he deserves, but again, he's been pretty close to the best hooker in the comp this year. Uh, that's just my opinion. yeah. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. But, um, and um, Blair and Jared Wallace and those guys, I think they're doing a pretty good job for now. Obviously, it's not the Roosters or one of these bigger sides, but I think they're doing a pretty good job so far covering for the loss of Josh McGuire.
2: Yeah, we, and you can also you could look at all three of those, the gun size, and say, well, I didn't think the Cowboys were that great on the weekend. Um, there's, they've got a lot of room for improvement. Um, the Broncos, clearly, because it's Wayne Bennett's first year, back in charge, um, still combinations developing. Uh, but the Roosters, I think, arguably, they're the side that hasn't really hit their straps so far this year, like consistently. So um, I think they've all got big strides of improvement in them, and they're already um, a fair way ahead of the rest. So you know, I tend to agree with what you said at the start of the show and that they're the three at the moment. I'd be shocked if the premiership winner came from outside those three.
1: Yeah. I could make arguments right now as to why I, which, winner, which, which of those three I'd pick, but we might finish this off and then have a talk about that. Uh, but I thought Moses looked a bit better when they freed the reins in the second half there. He looks a lot more comfortable just playing when there's chaos, which is kind of funny because him and Brooks are a bit opposite on that. Manai um, and Charrington, I like him a lot. I'm glad to see him get some more time, jag himself a try, and Ava Siamana Fanai. He, he had a, another pretty good game before he got the cork, but it just doesn't get any better for them. You look to pretty much to every week. He's the one I look at and feel sorry for, but uh, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know where they go from here. I, I really don't know, but... On the Broncos' side of things, they're in a situation now where I think they can rest players if they really want to for the next few weeks, and then get on a run home for the last, uh, you know, three or four weeks. They've, they've done all the hard work to put themselves in this position now, where they can make a decision like that. So, um, kudos to them.
2: Yep, um, they're going to be tough to stop, especially as you said them and the Cowboys. It's uh, the fact that they're in the top four is going to make it very difficult for the
1: other teams. Well, if the Cowboys, I think, Tigers, they...
2: yeah, Tigers. I... I don't know. What do you do? It's, it's going to be... They've made it clear that's what they're going to do,
1: so that's what they, they have to do now. It's going to be a bloody hard game. I think I think you can book in Broncos first, Cowboys second, Roosters third, but um, if the Cowboys can overcome week one, the Roosters at 1300 Small Stadium, I'm pretty sure I heard yesterday that uh, the Triple M NRL Sunday team say that... 1300 smiles qualifies to hold a preliminary final, which means that technically they could play at home twice before having to play in the green final. Well, yeah, no, that's true. If they do qualify, true. they were 50 50, but they, they were pretty certain. So if they can get that win week one and get themselves home again, they'd be in a pretty bloody good position, even though they're 8 and 1 on the road this year. Their road record's actually better than home. Uh, but we've said in the past that they've needed yeah, a home of at, at that time of the year you want to be. Oh, it's, it's huge. A packed house at North Queensland. Uh, in the heat, yeah. like you said, they train in it, they do their pre season. No, well, I mean at...
2: people, people don't realise how far from um North Queensland Brisbane is. Oh, hundred percent. Right? You can't play it at Suncourt. No. Nah. You might as well play it in bloody Melbourne if you're going to play it at Suncorp.
1: And I don't think people realise that there is a huge difference to play there, the conditions. When you train, same as when I was at Canberra, okay, there is cool. a massive difference to train and play and in they've those the right, They've earned
2: the right to play there. They're, they've earned the right through the season to play there. So, yeah. realistically, as you said, if they can win that first week, they deserve to play there.
1: Yeah. Well, Broncos, they've got the Titans at home. Uh, Roosters against the Tigers, that's pretty brutal for them. But finishing off, we talking about the Cowboys, eight in a row. On the road that's absolutely ridiculous. They were 18 6 up um, at half time. They did a pretty good job absorbing pressure early on. I think Manly are Manly a bit scrappy, and JT he's just too smart. He had the ball and the string. They showed quite early that they were going to jam in, they were playing inside the 20, and uh, they, they kind of jammed in twice early on shifts. And then he put that kick over the top, which kind of fired that warning shot, put him in two minds. That, that was a really nice piece of play. And, in the second half, uh, uh, sorry, before I move on, the other one that I loved was that try, the second try that Winnerstein got off that quick play the ball that had numbers on that short side. I just loved the fact that the Cowboys were willing to roll the dice. Um, and that run for him, I don't know how he stayed in with Brett Stewart come across. That was an absolutely brilliant try. Yeah, I felt
2: I felt a bit sorry for Brett Stewart in that situation because he made made such a totally good effort to sort of get across there. And you, you're probably used to seeing him make that tackle. but
1: Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah, no, the Cowboys have certainly got their own style. That's
1: that's what I really like about them. Yeah, and the second half, it was brilliant again. Morgan's just growing and growing. He he came more to life and took over, um, took the driver's seat, scored a try, put a couple of nice kicks in, uh, broke the line there, and Granville just keeps showing his value. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again, Paul Green, kudos to you. He, he bought a couple of players as soon as he got there because he knew the ethos and the quality of them. One of them, John Asiata, who we're seeing... Some good football for off the bench. He's a good link player. He's powerful. He's strong. He had him at the Roosters 20s. And the other one is Jake Granville. Unwanted by the Broncos. Played on their 20 system. Played under him in Q Cup for two years before he went to the Roosters. He won two comps with him. He played him as a nine in attack and on kick returns he dropped back because he's just such good speed and vision. But he's taken him up there. He's given him belief, which, as we all know, sometimes that's all it takes from one coach to let you know that they do believe in you and they're going to give you the time to develop. And look how that's paid off. He's paid him back in full. Yeah, definitely. Uh, They were brilliant. He's he's
2: entered the the calls for, for a nine. I mean, they've been screaming
1: out for one since. Oh, it gives them a whole new dynamic. There's so many weapons. And Lachlan Coot again can't be understated. That whole spine reshuffle this year, Morgan playing Origin, coming to his own. Granville, give him a new dynamic. He makes you accountable. He puts the forwards into space. Um, Coot takes pressure off, and he's got a great kicking game. I don't think any... I've mentioned that a few times. A lot of people don't see it. Coming out of Yardage, he kicks most of the time, and he's got a very good kicking game. He's got a big boot for a small bloke. Yeah, it's
2: also one one less thing that um, Jonathan
1: Thurston has to organize. Yeah, and it's one more thing you have to worry about as, a, as an opposing side, so... Uh, yep. Very good. And, and Bolton back. I like Sam Hoare off the bench. I like Asiata. They've, they've got options. The only thing that worries me, again, and uh, I suppose we'll wrap this up now, Manly, no offence. I think that's game over. Cherry Evans, don't know what's happened. They have set a suspected torn peck. I uh, haven't heard anything else today. Foreign was limping around, so not looking good for them. They go away to New Zealand. Cowboys home to the Eels. But in wrapping things up, talking about those three sides before we finish, like we said, if I was going to go right now Broncos, Cowboys, uh, Roosters. If you want me to tick the most boxes, I'd tick mm, the most boxes for the Roosters. I think they've got the better... They've got the gun backline, a gun fullback. They've got a good pair of halves, a good nine, an awesome forward pack, and the best bench. If you want me to go purely off what I saw roster, and that's what I've said all year, um, if everything clicked into place, I think they've got every area covered to win the comp. The Cowboys, I think they've got the forward pack. They've definitely got the spine. They've got a good bench, but their backline... Kind of worries me, uh, not majorly, but there's still not no. Uh, Justin O'Neill, to me at times, can be a bit of a defensive issue. Uh, his attack hasn't been that great. Matty Wright um, is a bit 50 50 some weeks, so that's a little bit iffy for me. Um, and then on the Broncos side things, similar deal. I think you can look at them. I think the back line's fairly solid. Uh, I think the spine's pretty good. Uh, it's probably more so the bench.
2: Yeah, I I tend to agree. I think um, the Roosters, to me, look like that side that every year. There's always a side that we just keep waiting for them to click and waiting for them to hit their straps. And um, The Roosters, to me, look like that side. There's one side every year which we look at and go, oh, yeah, they're going well, but they can't win the comp this year. And that looks to me like the Broncos. Um, And, you know, the side is just flying under the radar behind those two a little bit. is obviously the Cowboys. Not that they're flying under the radar, too. Um, too much, but I think they'll be happy for teams to talk about the Broncos and talk about the Roosters as they sail along. Um, but if I had to if I had to pick a side right now, I'd stick with. Um, I, I predicted at the start of the year to be a Roosters Cowboys grand final, and I've got no reason to uh, to change my choice. Even though I wouldn't be I wouldn't be at all surprised to see um, the Broncos make the grand final, and I wouldn't be surprised to see the Broncos win it.
1: Yeah, well, I've. I haven't got my paper in front of me of what my predictions were, but I'm pretty sure I had the Cowboys in there again with the Roosters as well, uh, from memory. Uh, I'll have to yeah, break I'm them. Not
2: too i know, I know that, for me, it was just um, it was a chip shot this year. I, I thought it would, it, it would be Cowboys-Roosters. So. Um, I, thought, well, I also had Henry in the Mints, obviously. They've, that's all gone up the shit with the injuries. But um, outside of that, I... I wasn't too confident in many sides. And I actually had the Broncos outside the eight, so um, I just looked at their roster and pretty foolish in, in the end. When you look at it, Wayne Bennett's got a, a history of doesn't miss the finals very often. So, had to be nice. I just
1: just season it's easy to oh, we always get, team on paper. We always get something so, wrong. I had the Panthers in at seventh and obviously... Uh, they're hanging around there, but they've got injury concerns majorly. And I, I remember I had Manly in my top four still. I thought that forward pack... Oh, I had.
2: I think I, think I had the Tigers in the eight as well. You I know, mean, I expected them to really take off this year. But you look at Brooks and Moses, they've done nothing compared to what I thought they'd do. But, you know,
1: that's footy. Yeah, well, like I said, that's just going off what we see on paper. On paper, roster-wise, getting it right on the day, I think the Roosters have got the ultimate best side. But I almost think... Um, If if it's not destiny this year, it's pretty bloody close for the Cowboys. If they get the home final week one and win and get to go back to Dairy Farmers, I dare say they'll be there on grand final Sunday at Boxhead. uh, That's me and you finished for the reviews. I'll be joined next by Mr. Gossip. We'll go through all the dirt, our tips, and I'll give you all the odds brought to you by WilliamHill.com. Now. It's time for your weekly dose of goss from Mr. Gossip. Sad times for Gossip, good times for Louie. Sorry about the Panthers game, champion. <laughs>
3: oh, mate, I'm still devoid about that. What a terrible performance from the Panthers, but um, to be honest, I don't think anyone was going to stop Cam 300. Um, but, yeah, what a terrific display by Melbourne.
1: Mate, uh he hasn't lost the milestone game, and if, if there's one thing I've kind of got the gist of in particular, he, he does make a big deal of him, Craig Bellamy. But I just hope they play like that for the rest of the year, because Dad said, um, that was near old school Melbourne. That was the old, very, very ruthless, clinical Melbourne. So um, yeah, it was
3: it was very hard to tell if it was um, Melbourne switched on or Penrith switched off. But yeah, from Penrith's last sort of ten starts, they're very, very slow starters and. Obviously, Bellamy does a lot of video, and he knew that if they can get away early, which they did, I think it was 20-0 after after 10 minutes or so, <laughs> that, um, that they had the game won. And, and, and to be honest, I wasn't a true fan. I, I'd switched the bloody thing off the radio after about 20 minutes. and knew it was, we were toast. But, um, yeah, terrific for Cameron Smith. Legend of the game. And I'm sure there'll be a statue of Cam somewhere in the non-too-distant future.
1: Yeah, I think everyone's probably going to be sick of hearing me talk about him. I've been quiet. i kept all my stuff off the page, but I said before to Brock, what's more amazing to me, uh, his win percentage for 300 games is almost 70%, which is ridiculous, and he's only missed nine games through injury. And that's – if you chuck in rep games as well as his club games, he has played near 400 games of football. Yeah it's uh, it, it's ridiculous but um, I don't know what I'm going to do once those three go we're dead set going to be Parramatta after that I'm going to be talking about those guys <laughs> for the next 50 years and everyone's going to hate me my grandkids everyone's just going to be like shut up dad shut up granddad it's going to be tops yeah, I think a good question is would, would Billy Slatter and Cooper Cronk and
3: Greg Inglis all those fantastic Melbourne Storm players of years gone past would they have been as good as they are today if Smith wasn't there you know, I think he's had a lot to do with their careers as well so um, I think he's going to be a tremendous
1: coach as well. Yeah, well, that's, that's my next hope. I hope that uh, all of them that are interested, in particular Cooper and Cameron, um, I'd really like to think that Bellamy, who is thinking of staying on now, I'd really like to think that he might tutor them, um, even if they are still playing, if he does extend his stay, and hand that culture straight over to two guys that understand it better um, than anyone, and in particular, like I said, Smith or Cronk in that regard. But moving on, champion, uh, the tips... Oh, sorry, don't worry about the tips just yet. What am I doing? The gossip. What do you got? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a bit of gossip
3: this week, mate. I'll start off with the uh, $2 million amount, Chris Sandow. Oh. Um, obviously, been through, been through all the papers the past week about um, what he's done on and off the field. But look, the deal to Warrington is almost done for an immediate uh, transfer over there. Paramount are just sweating on Sandow to finally to agree to a 50k walkaway fee, but... Um, Sandow and his management are in dispute with Parramatta at the moment about yeah. um, 200k in unpaid third party but look it's uh, he's gone, it's over with uh, Parramatta fans rejoice he's been a waste of $2 million to your club, it was a disaster from the get-go um, you haven't made the 8 since he came into the club uh, what an absolute disaster and a waste of money
1: Mate, it's a bin fire and the only thing I can say to Brock this is bad on both parts, this just shows you number one how bad of a signing he's been uh, but on the flip side of that, just how much of a shamble Parramatta is and how bad the governance is that they haven't been able to pay his third party and I said to Box I know a few other names that have missed their third parties as well so I think they should maybe just pay, if it's 100000 and he's short two hundred dollars I don't know why they can't just pay him for the rest of the year if there's only hundred k left just get it over and done with, they need to separate right now Yeah, the are bad between the both and both
3: of them want to come out on top It's pathetic and typical
1: Parramatta. Um, I don't know what's going to happen moving forward with this club, but something drastic is going to have to change. Yeah, well, let's hope, fingers crossed, like we said, uh, powerhouse in the West, you want to see Penrith, you want to see the Adam Tigers, etc. All doing well. Let's really hope that next year with Foreign and the like uh, he's got coming in, it, it does make a difference because they can't seem to take a trick at the moment. Yeah.
3: All right, on to Matt Ballon, mate, from Manly. I was only a couple of months ago, we were talking about Matt Ballon and how he signed a a two-year extension, I think it was only two or three months ago, but apparently he's been told by Manly that he's no longer wanted. Now, that obviously is writing on the wall that, that Trent Barrett will be there next year. Trent Barrett wants Curacao there. Uh, but poor old Manly Ballon, a, a favourite of the club. I know Tuvi is not a happy he wants to keep Ballon, but here we go again with Manly. Um, <laughs> Barrett's already had an influence, and um, he's not even there yet, so where does that go go from here if it's
1: getting any younger? Mate, I don't remember if you remember me saying a couple of weeks ago that I wouldn't have re-signed him, not because I don't think he's a good player, but just knowing that Coruscant and I like Hodges, and I've been saying it to Brock, and um, he's kind of, he didn't buy in to what I've said, but now I feel like I've death-wrote it now, because I've said it about six or seven <laughs> times, and then I read during this week about this Supposed backflip on your page and thought, oh, crossed. It's my fault. I've death-ridden him for the last twelve weeks, <laughs> and now all of a sudden they're trying to do a DCE on him and pull the contract out. So uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know quite how I'd feel. I look at it and I'd say I want to be a one club player, but if they're going to tell me, uh, if it's it's locked, signed, sealed, and delivered, and there's nowhere else for me to go, uh, and neither end can get out, I think the only logical thought for me is he's a Queenslander, and the Gold Coast could use a iron. That's about the only situation I see fitting.
3: Yeah, I was going to say
1: Titans as well, but um, yeah. Uh, you would surely, to, yeah. surely you wouldn't want to sit in cut though and like force yourself there if that's if that's going to be the Mexican standoff. It's it's absolutely the lowest of the low. If this is what Manly are looking to do after they've re-signed him, and obviously this is before the shake-up and the change. But uh, if this is the case, two really poor moves on their behalf as far as him and Tuvia are concerned.
3: Yeah, i tell you what, I, I mean, I'm no lover of Manly. I don't think many people are, unless you obviously barrack for him, But I'm, I'm kind of barracking for him towards the back end of this year. I, I'd like to see him do well, because how the hell are they going to punt TV if they make the Grand Final do something drastic? Obviously, that's going to be a bit difficult now with DCE, DCE out for for some time, it looks. But um, I just can't believe what they're doing in that club. It's, it's almost the mirror image of Parramatta.
1: Yeah, I feel like I said, I've got nothing against Matty Ballard. I am just I was talking purely from a football sense, but I didn't think they're actually uh, game enough to do what you're supposedly saying now, what I'm reading. I, I think that's very a very low act. If they've signed, sealed, delivered, and now they're trying to backflip, that's that's pretty poor form. Yeah, for sure. All right,
3: back on the yields, mate. Now, Hopper Wadi, we signed that massive deal, but unfortunately the deal was signed by the previous CEO, um, and the new staff have found out that if... If that existing contract stays, then they're going to be over the cap. <laughs> no, it's laughable, geez. really. It really is laughable. So, But the good thing is Hopper Whitey, is true to his word, he's a good fella. Um, he's going to stick with Parramatta, but the, the, the deal is going to have to be written up again. He's going to have to sign with less money. Probably a, a back-ended contract. But, um, yeah, wow, well, it's just uh, <laughs> laughable, really.
1: Yeah, uh, I heard a little bit about this. That's obviously my old manager. I'm not going into great detail about the situation, but yeah, there was obviously Foran's deal, his deal, and there was one or two others that were all done uh, under Scotty Seawood that they obviously tried to move the goalposts afterwards. But um, he's a really, really good fellow. I know a lot of people out there are frustrated, but I don't think they understand. I'm pretty sure at the moment he's got a torn bicep. Uh, he did his AC joint last year in Origin that he never had surgery on. He's also got a groin problem. So for a lot of people kicking him while he's down, Don't forget, he's won a comp. He went away for two years, and he's only 22. Yeah. Um, He's an absolute baby. He has a long, long time left to play first grade. It seems like a long time, but it's really not. He's an absolute baby, so, um, you know, and a good fellow and good for culture, so that's the kind of person Parramatta needs to keep. Yeah, that's
3: right, exactly. All right, last one of the night, mate. Bulldog swing. I don't know if you've heard much of Corey Thompson. Actually scored a hatchet, I think, against Penrith on the weekend. Yep. tremendous winger. Uh, he's off contract. Bulldogs obviously want to keep him but um, the South or Sydney Rabbitohs and Tigers also keen to have him would be a good pickup, I think anyway.
1: Yeah, he was formerly an East Tigers player, which was linked to Melbourne. Um, he did an off-season with us and then subsequently the Bulldogs, uh, obviously we, we've had our tussles in the past. They got in under our guard. We were going to let him run up there for the year and bring him in for a pre-season. They gave him a contract and he's obviously been there for the last couple of years but he, he's more than a solid first grader and his best position is actually fullback, not wing. So mm. he, he, He's punched above his weight because he's not that tall when he has played on the wing, but he, will, he definitely won't let you down. Uh, the Tigers could do with somebody, even though they do have some good depth, but I think Souths could probably do with him more if you want to talk about uh, backline depth with Joel Reddy and the likes there. <laughs> good
3: old Joel Reddy. Go <laughs>
1: Always got to get a shot sake. in there. Poor Joel Reddy. Sorry, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: but yeah, good young player,
1: so hopefully someone picks him up soon. Um, I know the Bulldog are keen to so return. I'm pretty confident they will, but um, yeah, watch the space, I guess. 100%. Is that all we've got in the Gossip Column, Champion? So that's all we got, Sunshine. All right. Well, the tips last week, we both had a pretty good round, but I'm stoked. It's taken me 20 weeks, but I've got a perfect round, finally.
2: <laughs>
1: oh, beautiful. It took beautiful. So bloody long. Uh, both very close games, though. Obviously, the Raiders Sharks one, We were separated by one point. Um, the other one we tipped different was the Dragons-Raiders, which got you six from eight. But uh, I honestly don't think the scoreline reflects that game. I don't think South were, you know, that many points better than the Dragons. But it just seems when you're in a losing streak, uh, you know, it's, hard, it's a hard hole to dig yourself out of. Six wins in a row and now six losses in a row for the Dragons. Yeah,
3: they're not playing poorly, but um, nah. obviously lost some confidence there and uh, defense isn't what it was.
1: So seven weeks ago. Well, big week against Melbourne this week, but our totals now, mate, so that brings us up. With your six, you're on 79, and with the eight, I'm now on 81. So we've got seven weeks left, good run home, but we kick things off getting into our tips for this week. You've got the Broncos and the Titans Friday night, Suncorp Stadium, Do we need to say any more. The Titans get Caesar back, but they look absolutely rudderless and hapless at this point in time. I'm going the Broncos yeah wow
3: that was terrible on the weekend I tell you what if I had more trips he would have hooked more to me and an absolute Barry Crocker of a performance no, I was I'm... throwing tips at my TV and I thought what's he still doing out there but yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> you,
0: you've
3: got to go to the Broncos they're just, old. they're just so impressive this year and really really good to watch I like the brand of football they're playing so I'll watch this game purely because I like watching the Broncos
1: play, but it'll be one side of the fan. 100%. And I've said to Brock, the scary thing is there's still room to improve because that spine, the halves have been together in the nine, but Boyd's finding his way in. Uh, Oates is finding some time in the field. Everyone seems to have lifted a gear. And anyone I had question marks on last year, E.G. Thigh Day, Jack Reid, they've all played outstanding under Wayne Bennett. So he's done a hell of a job. But, yeah, um, imagine
3: if, imagine if Jack Reed
1: could pass, how many more... How many more <laughs> <Hey>? uh, <Jesus. laughs> outstanding. Um Outstanding. WilliamHill.com, they obviously give us our odds. If you used to have an account with SportingBet.com, it still exists now with WilliamHill.com. So if you're going to have a bet on the NRL or any sport, make sure it's with William Hill. They've got the Brisbane Broncos, $1. fourteen heavy favourites, the Gold Coast Titans, $5.75. Outsiders, the line a massive, minus 16 points. 13-plus uh, doesn't get you too much. Maybe the game total over 38.5 at a dollar 90. I don't mind the looks of that one. But the second Friday night game, this one, again, a bit of a blowout one by the looks of it. The West Tigers come up against the Sydney Roosters. I uh, don't need to go into depth about this one either. The Roosters are too good. Their side's outstanding and their bench is incredible. So the chooks for me. Yeah,
3: Roosters are starting to look good. They had that dodgy performance against the Titans up at, at uh, Centre of House a few weeks ago. Blow off a few cobwebs, I think, and, um, yeah, they're looking good at the moment. And, yeah, another one-sided
1: affair. Good to see the salary cap work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, classic. Well, in this one, the Tigers, heavy outsiders again with William Hill. They're $5. Uh, the Sydney City Roosters, they're $1. eighteen. The line, minus 13.5. Um, again, that's probably the game total you're more looking at here, 41.5 points. The Roosters, a little bit clunky last week. They were dominant, but you feel they should have posted a few more, but the Tigers usually oblige with one or two of their own. But from memory, the Roosters have given them an absolute licking the last few times they've played. So um, mm. there's a high possibility that there should be plenty of points scored in this one. But we move on to Saturday. You've got the Warriors going home to face Manly. They've got some injury concerns of their own, but they've got really good young kids and some depth. They're going to have to bounce back. And in New Zealand, um, with question marks over DCE, even though he's named and obviously watching foreign limp, limp around, I can't back Manly. I've got to go the Warriors at home.
3: Yeah, I'm going to the Warriors as well. Warriors at home. I think even if DCE was playing, I'd, I'd still go to the Warriors. Manly looked a bit haphazard Monday night and, again, coming off a short turnaround. So, um, yeah, go to the
1: Warriors. 100%. Uh, the odds there are $1.41 with WilliamHill.com are the Warriors. Manly, $2.95. Outsiders, minus 7.5 is the line in this one. Uh, I I have a little bit of a feeling that I think the Warriors might do a number on them, but at the same time, I don't think I'm willing to go there. But 13 plus, $2.45 for the Warriors. Uh, the other Saturday game in New Zealand, Melbourne taking their home game to Napier. they got their own little special kit and plenty of Kiwis in their team, so they'll be happy to go home. They play the Dragons, who have lost six in a row, had a tight contest round one. They need to bounce back. Um, but I'm going to hopefully put my faith that the Storm consolidate from here and make sure they're going to be in the eight. I'm going to back the Melbourne Storm.
3: Yeah, if the Storm play half as good as they did against Penrith, they'll give the Dragons a hiding also. Um, but, yeah, wow, well, Dragons are a really long long uh, losing streaks that I'm sure will break soon, but, yeah, I don't think it'll be against Melbourne.
1: Yeah, hell of a defensive side. Uh, we're, we're a bit basic in attack, but if we show that ruthlessness, and I'm also very, very happy, I've said it for a few weeks now, that I prefer Tohu to play in the centres, because dead set, the outside back options, we have a terrible... Um, he fixes up that side. He's more than mobile. And him and Kenny Bromwich have both got uh, mobility and good hands. Uh, I'm more than happy for him to play up in the centres. But William Hill agrees with us. They've got the Melbourne Storm, $1.45 favourites. The Dragons, they're $2.80. Uh, minus 6.5 is the line in this game. I'm probably looking more the one to twelve for Melbourne. I don't know if it'll be as big a blowout. And if you're going to go the unders on the total game score, 37.5, I think it'll be a tight defensive battle. So under 37.5, dollar. 90 there. Saturday again, you got the Bunnies up against Newcastle. Newcastle bounced back last week, finally. Mullen was outstanding, but it's very hard to take much out of that performance, much like Manly's, because they did it to the Titans, who, um, it just seems like the effort bubbles burst. Souths are a bit clunky. Uh, I'm not really big on the forward pack at the moment. I think they're really lacking. The Harbs slowly getting things back together, and Luke, I'm pretty sure, is back this week. So, with that being said, and a chance for them to really consolidate the top four, I have to back south.
3: I was going to go the Knights until I found out I thought Luke might be returning just as a as a bit of a roughy. Um As you said, Mullen, jeez, was good last week, uh, full of confidence. Mm.
1: Um,
3: but, yeah, I think you has got to go south, but, yeah, they haven't really shown much either, have they? If, if it was in Newcastle, I'd be picking Newcastle, but I'll, I'll go the Bunnies.
1: Yeah, and, and I'll tell you what, the Sims brothers were outstanding, Tarek, and especially Corbin. Corbin's grown a leg this year, regardless of the circumstances. Um, but heavy favourites are uh, South Sydney in this one. So if you like a pun on this one, Gossett, there's some good value with William Hill, dollar seventeen. the Bunnies, Newcastle, $5.15 oh. outsiders. And um, they're willing to give you a 14-point start at $1.91. Um, yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, that, that, that's massive. That's a massive start. I, I haven't looked personally at uh, what the 12.5 start is, but I might be taking a little bit of that with $5.15 on Newcastle, but... Now, I'm looking more the 1-12s to 12s on this one. Souths haven't really impressed me too much. But if you like the Knights, 1-12, $6.50, $3.20 with Souths. Sunday, we come out here. sunny Penrith, always a good place to come play. Them and the Raiders, this is probably last chance saloon. Uh, I looked at Penrith. They're not in the same lineup. I'm sure they're going to have a hell of a dig. But Canberra's got more to play for. Their side hasn't changed. They've bombed way too many close games. And they've been better on the road this year than at home. So... Uh, with a little faith, I'm going to back Canberra.
3: Yeah, if, if it's a close game, I'll be uh, confident Penrith will win, but if Canberra get away early uh, and keep uh, kicking balls at Wonga Blake, they'll be sweet. But um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to back the pennies, I'm going to bet with my heart because I, I really think, it, as you said, it's a, a do or die game for both sides. Penrith at home on a Sunday afternoon. Gus loves his Sunday afternoon footy. And, <laughs> um, yeah, as
1: he says every five minutes. But I'm going to back the pennies, but with not a lot of confidence. Yeah, well, they're the favourites with William Hill. They're $1.75. The Penny Panthers, the Canberra Raiders. I'll be taking a piece of this. $2.10 uh, minus two is the line on this game. Again, I don't really know what to think. I can't see a blowout, so maybe Canberra one to twelve for me at $3.70. I tell you what, I do like the overs and unders. It's 41 and a half. I think you can take overs with both these teams. The ball is going to fly around. Uh, especially early on in the sunlight with players like Cartwright, Brown, and we all know how the Raiders like to play. So uh, over 41.5 at a $1.90. I like those odds with William Hill. The other Sunday game, back to Belmore again. That was absolutely outstanding the other weekend. Two very gritty sides and two gun forward packs. Looking forward to watching this. It's the Canterbury Bulldogs versus the Sharkies. Uh, I had a look at this one. Everything about me said that I wanted to back the Sharks until I saw it was Belmore again. And if the atmosphere <laughs> is anything like it was before, I'm sure it'll be ugly in a dogfight. But I, I, just because of that factor and the atmosphere they created when they played Melbourne in that ambush, I'm going to have to go to the Bulldogs. Yeah, just got to hope that there's no rain for the Belmore. There's literally
3: no undercover anywhere. you get absolutely drenched. But... Um... Yeah, Belmore, um, you've got to tip the Bulldogs. But i tell you what, Cronulla have been my sort of vogue side this year. Every time I, I tip them, they lose and, if, and the other one around. But, um, yeah, I'm going to go to the Dogs just before they're back to Belmore.
1: Yeah, well, they did that to me plenty of times. And I, I got on them last week and I had a bet on them last week with William Hill. And uh, they come through from the Sharkies. I'll, I'm quietly, quietly impressed by them, I must admit. And I think... Mm. Their edges are a little bit better. They don't have the best halves in the world. They're steady. But I think Graham in particular, for me, he's an absolute shoe in next year for New South Wales. He has to be there. Uh, but him and Luke Lewis provide something on the edge that really helps the halves out. And, um, you know, Fafita's been on fire. Innes has been really good from this year. And young players like Bird and Holmes, I think next year looks bright with Townsend and Maloney heading uh, over to the Shire. That we finish things off. I don't think we really need to go into great depth about this one. It's the Cowboys versus para. Up there in North Queensland, and uh, no Corey Norman, no Chris Sandow, Wattmau's out for the year. Um, the injuries have just absolutely piled up. Denny Wicks, Gornsky, Paulo's in the halves with Luke Kelly, Cowboys, 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 Cowboys. It's absolute bank interest, but Cowboys. Yeah,
3: for sure. Uh, I'll tell you what, if, if you're. Um, do, do you rest Thurston if you're Neil Henry? I mean, not Neil Henry, he's gone a long time ago.
1: Paul Green? I'll tell you what, I spoke about this with Brock earlier, and I said the same for the Broncos. Um, looking at who they're playing this week, and I don't—I haven't looked next week, but I'd almost be tempted if I was the Broncos to start sitting players, not worried about the minor, more finishing one and two and getting a home final. But I honestly think they could have a week or two uh, over the next couple or three where they rotate players again and then come home strong for the last four. But I don't see why not, un- unless Thurston's healthy because he only played one game in a month, really, because they had both their buys around the origin. Um, nah. Yeah, th- this is a real opportunity if they wanted to just to have Morgan play again or Louis and Ray Top. You could rest all your origin plays realistically, that they won every game through that period, bar one. Yeah, I, I, if I played death, I wouldn't be for
3: 80.
1: Yeah, no, no no, no dice either. If, if they tout him up in the first half, I'd be more than happy to sit him. Uh, I mean, Scott's battling a neck problem. Morgan's got a bit of an ankle injury, but it only needs a clean out. So a couple of them are, are, are a bit limp. But um, if you really wanted to, I'm sure he could. They've, they've got the depth with Thompson and and Louis that they've they've proved they could win without those players there. So yeah, I'd do it. Yeah, massive favourites. Like I said, bank interest with WilliamHill.com. The Cowboys a dollar eight ridiculous. <laughs> Parramatta the biggest odds I've probably seen this year seven dollars seventy five. A massive start minus twenty and a half points. 13-plus, it's a little bit more than bank interest, but $1.40 if you back the Cowboys. Uh, The overs for the game, this one I'm not so sure because I don't know if they'll be able to score this many points or if Parra will score that many at 45.5 points. Um, Yeah, if you're super confident that the Eels can cover the line at 20.5, there's maybe something for you there. Or 1-12 to if you think an absolute miracle can happen at $9.25. But, mate, uh, looking at that one, The only difference we've got is the Panthers and the Raiders. Uh, A little bit of a personal attachment to both of those teams for us. (laughs) Yep. Have to see what happens. Fingers crossed your mob get a win, and I'm very, very, very much so hoping that Melbourne uh, can do a job for me and consolidate our place in the run home for the finals. But that wraps us up, champion. Thanks a lot, and enjoy your week. No way. Thanks, buddy. Have a good one. A big thanks to Mr Gossip, and if you want to catch up with him on Facebook, head up to the search bar... Type in NRL Gossip and his handle at Twitter is at NRL Gossip. And a big thanks to our sponsor, WilliamHill.com, formerly known as SportingBet.com. So if you had an account with SportingBet, it still exists now with William Hill. Uh, Massive thanks to them for providing the odds for the games that we tipped in the upcoming round. And keep your eyes open for our Pick the Score competitions. We post them up on NRL Gossip. We run two to four every weekend. If you do pick the score, or you are closest to picking the score, you will win a free $100 bet thanks to williamhill.com. And our charity account is well over $1,000 now. Our selected charity this year that we're donating to is the Guide Dog Association. So a massive thanks to williamhill.com. And also our other sponsor is the NRL Profits. If you want a bit of help with your betting, the profits are here to help. Because if you're tired of constantly losing money to the boogies, It's time you join the NRL Profits with over 70 units of profit in season 2014. The service includes quality betting recommendations for rugby league, including the NRL and the Super League. So you get the best of both worlds. The Profits have an offer for our listeners of the Fifth and Last podcast. It's a 10% discount off all the Access All Profits packages. So visit nrlprofits.com forward slash fifth and last to take advantage with the profits and profit with the NRL Profits. Well, that wraps us up from this point on. We've had gossip. We've had all the dirt. We've done our tips, all the odds, thanks to WilliamHill.com. Brock on early up for the Fast Five and the reviews of the games from the weekend. Uh, the run home is here now. Seven games to go. Uh, pretty much the top eight teams right now looking fairly secure. This weekend's results, obviously, the Dogs and the Sharks play each other. One of them is going to stay on 22. So even if the Dragons lose to Melbourne, they're within touch of the eight. And between the Panthers and the Raiders, they're both on 18. One of those teams will get to 20 and have a very, very slim chance, but it's looking very, very narrow now. There's only a couple of teams still in the running. Also, if you're interested in listening to the New South Wales Cup, I've obviously been commentating some games this year. Uh, This weekend, I will be joined, or will be joining, sorry, Curtis Woodward from the 81stminute.com and Matthew French who has the MacArthur Rugby League page, does some good stuff for Country Rugby League, out in Group 6. We'll be calling the Tigers versus the Panthers New South Wales Cup game from Campbelltown Stadium. If you want to listen to that on Saturday, that'll be on radiohub.com.au, and there's two games every weekend on that website of New South Wales Cup. If you're interested in following your club's feeder team and if we're calling their games that weekend. But for now, guys, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? What's going on here? Is that it? Is
3: that
0: it?